0: <laughs> so just bless her to go. Okay, I think I think we're not going to have a sermon of announcements. I think I think we're about done. So just so you know, we're done with that and starting something new. I'm going to pray.
1: <sighs>
0: Thank you, Father. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Papa that uh, your heart is towards us always. Always, there isn't a moment of any day that you are not thinking about us, loving on us, and one hundred percent for us. And God, my prayer is that we would be more and more aware of that, more and more in touch with just how good you are. That you are—you are—to say that you're good seems like an understatement. You—you you are unfailingly kind. You are abundantly, extravagantly, yummily good to us. So you got to come up with new words. <laughs> how else are you going to explain it? How do we explain, God? How do we explain what you've done for us? And thank you, Lord, that salvation wasn't a one-time deal, that when we gave our life to Jesus, that wasn't um, the end. That was just the beginning of more and 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 more more life. Thank you that the moment we said yes to Jesus, our eternal life began. And that when we leave this earth and this body, we're going to go from life to lots more life. Just thinking of that verse in Second Corinthians, it just says the, the momentary heartaches, the heaviness is, is nothing compared to the weight of the glory that's coming. But even in the midst of this life, God, I'm asking for more and more lightness and awareness of your presence and your goodness, your compassion, your mercy, your tenderness towards us all the time.
1: In Jesus' name. We could just
0: pray all night, huh? That would work. (laughs) So, how many of you know that Bob Jones went from glory to glory yesterday? He went went to go be with Jesus. Um, most of you know about Bob Jones, um, a prophet that's been in in um, in circles that a lot of you have been around for. Well, he's been around for decades. I've known about him for decades. He's been around for many decades. And uh, I just wanted to read this. This comes. This is actually from his um, website. It's. This is not about his his graduation to glory yesterday. This is just what's on his website that says it explains a little bit more about him it says when only 7 years old and walking on a dirt road in arkansas the archangel gabriel appeared to bob jones on a white horse and blew a double silver trumpet in his face how many would say that's kind would it be an encounter with god that that would yeah um he then, this is he as in the angel Gabriel, then threw an old bullskin mantle at Bob's feet. When he's seven years old. A bull. An old bullskin mantle at Bob's feet. Although fearful at the time, he ran. That's pretty consistent with Scripture, right? I mean, when angels really show up in power, that. People are afraid. The next thing God has to say is "Fear not." Right? Anyway, he ran. However, many years later, he returned to pick up that old mantle. Now, well, that's the goodness of God, saying it's still here for you, which is that of a seer prophet. Bob Jones is uh, known as I'm going to say is because this is how it wasn't as we're not going to I'm not going to change all to was because actually it still is is but just in a different form now. Bob Jones is known as a contemporary prophet with a great love for the Lord Jesus and his truth. His prophecies have spanned over four decades as the Lord has enabled him to foretell earthquakes, tidal waves, comets, and weather patterns. Like Daniel, who functioned at an incredible level, Bob has often told leaders their dreams and experiences as well as the interpretation After his death experience in 1975, so he died once already, went to be in heaven. I actually wrote about it really briefly in my book. Um, So after that near, basically near death, well, it was death, and then he came back in 1975. God sent him back to minister to church leadership and to reach the multitudes with God's love, truth, and equipping the saints with understanding of the spiritual gifts. I'm um, not sure why it's not in here, but this is where the Lord asked him the question, um, uh, have you learned to love? That was Jesus' one question. So here was a guy that was already ministering powerfully, a seer by God's own choice through you know, through, this, through the angel Gabriel. Uh, and, uh, and yet when he got to heaven, the one question Jesus asked him wasn't what did you do with your gifts and all the rest. He said, did you learn how to love? And so then he sent Bob back for what, now has been what's the quick math is it 40 years something like that 40 50 years anyway a lot of years 40 years almost so god promised bob that here's here's the 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 where i'm getting at the last line here god promised bob that he would see the beginning of one billion souls coming into the kingdom in one great wave of the end time harvest God promised him, you knew a little bit about his history, that he would be alive to see the beginning of this huge wave of a billion souls. I actually heard Bob talk at, a, at another time to say that this wasn't the, the last harvest. This wasn't the end harvest. But this was the souls that God was going to bring in in a huge wave to bring in the final harvest. So yesterday when we were at this lunch, um, a lunch meeting with some leaders with Bill Johnson. And somebody asked him, they said, "They said, uh, Bill, what do you think about 2014 and where do you see things and where, where, where are things now? And um, Bill says, well, Bob Jones just went to heaven and the Lord told him he'd be alive to see the beginning of the billion-soul harvest. So that tells me where we are. And Suzanne and I, I mean, I just instantly, you know, start, I, I'm, I'm tearing up. She's just instantly bawling because it hit our, it hit our, hit our spirits deep to the core. Um, it completely uh, validated what my spirit, what I've been trying to tell you for the last, I don't know, two or three months now or something where I said we've, we've shit, we've moved into a new place where, before, it was always about, come on, hang on, we're almost there. Something good's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I told you a couple months ago, I said, I can't point to any one thing, but in my knower, I know that everything has shifted, and we're in that time. That's the, that's the best description I can give it, um, but there's a knowing. I'm not like going, oh, God, when, oh, when. And, and so here you go. Um, Bob gets to cheer us on from heaven now along with many souls, uh, many souls who've gone before us. And um, one of the things I love to tell people, you all who struggle at times and sometimes feel like um, you disappoint God, sometimes you disappoint yourself um, based on choices you make or things that you do, and, and you're wondering, can God even use you? Can I tell you why the saints are cheering you on so loud? Because they got there, and every one of them was where you are now, questioning, how come I'm disappointing God? How come I keep falling? How come?" And look where they are. And so they're cheering you on and saying, come on, keep going, because we are proof you are going to get there. We are proof that Jesus is going to get you there. So keep going. They're cheering you on. And they're doing so with with heaven's perspective, not with our... Not veiled dimly like us. You're saying, come on, you guys, come on, come on, come on. It's all real. You'll be here soon. Keep going, keep going, keep going.
1: Okay. Can you get it?
0: Who has a shofar? get it out, pull it out. Let's go. We're going to blow the shofar. Suzanne says, I think we need a shofar for that one. I'm like, yeah, then.
2: So I don't know about you guys, but you know, you, there's, there has been a stirring, but it's it's like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing now? And, and as Brent's been sharing and, and it's true last night as, uh, as, <clears throat> When uh, Bill Johnson shared that about what God promised Bob Jones, that just hit my spirit. And that gives you a resolve. It put a resolve in my spirit. We are here for a reason. Because I don't know about you guys, but a billion is what? One with nine zeros? And we're coming into that time where a billion people are going to come in. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that you are encountering. Any one of the people that you encounter on a daily basis or even fleetingly can be one of those billion. So that's why last week we talked about keeping your love on at all times. And what does that look like? Start working on that now. Start working on that now because as it's on, you're going to call in. You're going to be able to offer that person with the mohawk and the tattoos and whatever else that they have going. You're going to offer them that experience that they so need and they so desperately want. So, yes, church, we are going to blow the shofar. We are going to say yes to the Lord. We're going to say keep your promise to Bob Jones. Keep it. Keep it, God. Yes, Lord. We say yes. Yes, yes, yes. We are alive for a reason. is out there white, swiping his hand over you. Be encouraged. Be fueled. Be strengthened. Go for it. It is his time. It's his time. He's calling the shots. And we're just going to be ready for when that time comes for you to talk to that neighbor. To talk to your family member, whoever, because God's going to show up. He's going to back it up. And we are counting on him to do it. Yes,
3: yes, yes.
0: We believe you, God. We believe you. We believe you. I was just looking at, at Bob's picture again and thinking of that, of that psalm, Precious in the sight of the Lord as the death of one of his saints. And obviously the Lord knows it's not death. He knows it's life. But, but how precious. What would make it so precious? Again, you look at a man like Bob. Do you know how many opportunities he had to quit? Do you know how many people? Do you know how many people called him name? You know, called him awful things. Um, and there he is at the end. He was faithful. I did it, Lord. I did what you asked. You know, um, Bill Johnson said this the other day. I don't remember all the names he said named. He said, "How many of you, um, you know, have have heard of Bob Jones? You know, how many of you have heard of what were some of the others? Smith Wigglesworth." How many of you heard of Charles Finney and John G. Lake? We can keep going, right? How many of you remember the names of their detractors, their critics? Give me one. See how that works? That, that history is kind to, to revival to revivalists, because in the end, the truth does remain long after people are gone who didn't know what to do with it. But our, our, our task is to keep saying yes to the Lord. Yes, 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 yes to the call that's on your life. There's something for you to do that nobody else of those 7 billion can do just like you. There's, there's a reason you're alive today in this time in history. You are not here by accident. You've got some things to do for the Lord. Now, that's not huge pressure time, that's, but it is saying you got some yeses to go in your life. You got a bunch of yeses to say to him through your life because he has things for you to do. Wow. So there was this guy I know who came to our church by the name of Leif Hetland. I'm just going to read you a paragraph or two because this is totally in line with everything we're saying. Leif said to us in December, God is looking at you. He's talking about us and he is very, very well pleased. The pleasure of the father is here. He's looking right now. He's more hungry to come down than you are for him to come, but he will not entrust himself to anything else than a family. The kingdom is a family business. He's looking for somebody to host heaven, a culture to be able to sustain it. The way to sustain it is for each one of us to honor and value and lose, lose the spirit of entitlement. Be part of something bigger than yourselves. Be part of the kingdom family, the kingdom culture that is changing culture. A dream culture where everybody can dream with God. A place where everyone knows who they are and whose they are. A place where we have a high value for people and we love people without any agenda. There's no hook. We all have skill sets and tools to solve the giants around us. When we have this in place, he is taking us to Zion. Let's just soak in that just for a minute.
1: You're part of a kingdom culture
0: that's much bigger than you. You are oh so important to the Father, and this thing is way bigger than you. So, Lord, we're saying yes to the family, heaven's family culture, heaven's kingdom culture. We're saying yes to that. Yes to honoring each other. Yes to valuing each other. Losing that spirit of entitlement. That we're part of something so good. We're saying yes, God. Yes, yes, yes. Before that, there was a guy named Rich Oliver who came by. Actually, we just saw him last night. Came a big hug. And one of the things we haven't been mentioning that, uh, that much late, uh, lately with Winds of Change, but this is all for a purpose. When we're giving God access to our hearts, when we're saying, make us ready, it's because there is a huge harvest coming in. It's because we're supposed to make a huge difference in this world, in, in the seven mountains, wherever you are. You don't have to stop everything you're doing, get ordained and be a pastor. God doesn't need billions of pastors. He needs you where you are, shepherding people right where you are and loving them and bringing them into the kingdom that's what he needs so he's waking his church up waking his bride up now listen to this word from rich oliver to us this is a word for blazing fire just i'm just going to read a few portions of it you better get ready for a multiplication that is coming to you this was spoken about four or five months ago it begins in this place with your relatives People you have been praying for, your coworkers, your friends. I even see neighbors and surrounding business people. I see children, teenagers, and youth, and I see them coming to you. This is about to be an impactful, relevant, real church at another level. And by the way, when we say church, I want to keep reminding you, I'm not talking about this gathering. This is part of it. This is great. But you are the church. It's what you get here and what you go take and what you do with it on the earth. God says it's a new kingdom level, a new kingdom church. It's, settling, it's setting a standard. I sense the growth in this house at a new level. You're at a new level. And I'm telling you, you've got to get ready for God to blow the doors off of this church because there will not be room to contain as his presence floods in here. You are a kingdom church. I keep hearing that. And that image of what the real church is has to impact the community. People have to see the church feeding the hungry. They have to see the church infiltrating and helping the communities. And this is that church that doesn't just preach the word of God. You are the word of God. You are a living epistle. I hear the Lord say multiplication, transformation. You're transforming your communities and even your families before i go on let's just let's just declare over your families for a minute start with your families because because you know i'm just going to say it this way you know the mess that's inside your own families is better than anybody you know it god you're bigger than that and so we're declaring salvation to our families in jesus name just Just right now, salvation to the ones you know need it. Just start calling them out. We are declaring salvation to our families. We are declaring healing to our families, reconciliation to our families, the relationships that have been broken for decades are coming back together in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are going to heal those relationships, and you're going to bring people into the kingdom. Just do this. Just grab some of your family members in the spirit. Grab them and bring them into the kingdom. Say, you're coming in here in the kingdom with me. You're coming with me. And Jesus, we're going we're to be in the kingdom together. Jesus, bring them in. Bring them in. Jesus, you're the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. We're declaring that you are the Lord of the harvest for our families. And we're going to keep going with our communities. Your community that you come from, Jesus, we are declaring salvation to our communities. We're declaring healing to our, to the society, healing to the government, healing at the, at every level in our cities, we're declaring, God, that your kingdom come to every single person in our cities. And for me, for Pleasantine, California, we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And, Father, thank you for releasing us, your bride, your church, to go and make a difference, to go and feed the hungry, to find the places where the kingdom needs to come, to find the places where we can where we can send a lightning bolt of your kingdom, love, and power. God, thank you that we've got the answers. Not because we're that brilliant, but because you are. And because you live in us. And you give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. Give us answers for the schools. Whatever is needed, God. Crime. Whatever is needed, God, give us answers. Give us answers, God, to be the solution. We, Christ in us is the solution. And Rich went on to say, I hear the Lord say, his hand of grace is upon you this day. What has been hard in this season you have come out of You've trudged through some things that have been difficult that would have stopped most ministries, but you've held fast to the confession of your faith, which means you have agreed with God that no weapon formed against this ministry shall prosper. And God said, because you have stuck together, those of you that are the consecrated community, he said, now that explosion is about to happen. And because of that, ex- uh, that explosion, I almost can't explain to you what's about to happen. Almost like a bomb explosion. This is your reaping season. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. We say yes. This is your time. My spirit knows what my spirit knows. That we are in a new kingdom place. Very unlike anything we've been in before. This is a now time in the kingdom. God, would you put that now in our spirit, that now to step out and to do the things you've called us to do. This is that time, God. This is the reaping season. That means there's been lots and lots and lots of seeds sown. Words that have been sown, uh, but also prayers. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And it's time to reap. It's time for the harvest, God. Jesus, remember, you're the one that said, to your disciples who were out all night fishing, you're on the wrong side of the boat. Why don't you try this side? And they had more fish than they knew what to do with. And they were struck instantly with, with the glory of who you were. Who is this man? Jesus, it's time. It's time to put our nets on the other side and suddenly have so much, so many fish that only you will get the glory. And you will give us the wisdom, God, to know exactly what to do with that catch. (sighs) Okay, then. (sighs) So, and what Suzanne said a minute ago about, about Danny Silk being here, about us getting ready, this is what we're getting ready for. We're getting ready because those who don't know Jesus yet, they need to see a people who actually love each other with a deep love. Which doesn't mean we get along perfectly without any conflict. That's not what he said. He said, I want you to take my love, my deep love for you, even when you're in the midst of conflict. do doesn't change my love for you. And I want you to love with that same love. It's time for the church to see that. But that means we've got to give him access to our hearts. So last week, Danny Silk. I love that you... Where's Terry? I love... She said a lamb. There's a lamb up here. Isn't that awesome? We had several groups where I was asking people, what this last week, okay, how were you impacted, impacted by Danny? The, every one of you, if you were here, you know there was points where you were like in the middle of you know, laughing where you're crying. You're like, oh, crud, that just went right in. And I got, I got to give the Lord access to that place. He had some amazing insight. It is, is it on podcast yet? If not, it will very soon be on our website, all free. So uh, blazingfire.org. But this was one of the things that he said, there are no victims in the kingdom of God. Actually, you know what? Personally, one of the ones that hit me the most, which is right in line with this, he said, anytime you're involved in a disrespectful conversation, it's because you chose to be. What? That's one of those where you go, that's not true. (laughs) Dang it. It is true. Because we get to create our own culture of, of respect around us. By, by, by what we allow now, there's a lot packed in that. What we decided as as elders is that we were going to take a few weeks to unpack some of this. There was so much in there. Um, I'm going to I'm going to pretty quickly just go through a little bit about this no victim thing. The uh, Holy Spirit's the one that's going to have to convince you that it's true. But uh, I want to show you a few things, and then and then you're going to get to hear a testimony of someone who has lived this out. So here's here's a verse, Isaiah 41, 10. Don't be afraid. This is God saying to you, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now we love verses like that. You know why? Because our spirit knows it's true. Honestly, our spirit knows it's true. It's like, Oh, yeah, tell me that again. That's right. That's life. That's so good. I need that. I need that. I need that. But you know what? With our soul, this verse looks more like this. (laughs) This is the exact same verse, Isaiah. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. And you're looking at these storms, these massive waves in front of you. And you're going, I want to believe that's true. I think I believe it's true, but it doesn't feel very true looking at this. Now, I'm telling you, that's our perception. This is not reality. Just so you know, this is our perception. See, God's trying to take us above it all to see. He wants to take us above the clouds where the sun is always shining. He says, let's look at it from my perspective. I mean, you know how dinky this would be from God's perspective? Dinky, haven't used that word in a while. So this is what it looks like, which in relationships looks kind of like this. Do you remember this one? Oh yeah, David and Goliath. That's right. There's that story too. See, David, all the circumstances stunk. They were awful. But David was a, chose to be a powerful person in that moment. He was not a victim. That most of the other people with David, they were victims. We can't do anything. We give up. You win. You're scary. And, uh, and David's like, come on. Remember, remember, too, David had a promise he was going to be king? That's a big deal. Um, God said, I'm going to be king. I'm not king yet. Let's go. Let's go a couple rounds. Uh, so he takes him on, but this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. I'm just saying it, it's one thing to say, don't be a victim. And you're like, that's right. There's no victims in the kingdom. And then I remind you what it looks like. You're like, oh, oh yeah, crap. There's a lot of times where I'm, this is just not fun. And I don't like this and I want to run and I can't do anything about it. That's what it feels like. But remember, <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you say that with me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I love that that's the picture because that's what we feel like, isn't it? We're like, I'm um, not sure if there's a muscle there, God, but I, I think you said I could do all things through you. So I'm not feeling very strong. And he says, that's right. That's the point. Remember, Paul, when I'm weak, Then I am strong.
1: That's the point. It's not,
0: it's not, it's not you being big and bad for Jesus. It's about him doing everything he said he would through you. Right? Right. So you're saying, what if you say, well, God, I just feel like an ant. What if you just say that? I'm just, I'm, I'm insignificant. I feel like an ant. What can I do? This would be his response. You ready for this?
1: woo
0: Right? Ants carry many more times their weight. Ants are studs and studettes. See, we're, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is you are flat out of excuses of why, of why you can't. You just are. Let that aunt tell you, you are out of excuses. So I want to talk about, really quickly, a vic- being a victim versus being powerful. Now, this is from Danny Silk's book, if you've not gotten it yet, what are you waiting for? It's called Keep Your Love On. It's the best relationship book I've read in decades. It's a short read. It's a quick read. It's phenomenal. It gives you tools. It's practical. So in, in, I think it's the first or second chapter, he talks about the difference between being a victim versus powerful. And he explains powerful is not what the world calls powerful. It's not someone who mows you over and manipulates you and makes you feel like a worm. That's not powerful. That's actually a different form of weak. Um, the way, and Danny explains that all in his book. That's someone who feels like they have to do those things in order to control you. But powerful people don't control other people. Hey, that might even be on the slide somewhere. So let's look at the victim side just for a minute. And I'm going to go through this quickly. This is, um, I just have to. So a victim is, uh, a a victim is looking for a rescuer. I'm looking for a rescuer to make me feel safe and happy. See, because I don't feel like I have the ability or have it in me. So I need someone else. Who can I get who's going to make me feel safe and happy? That's I'm going to spend a lot, a lot of my energy doing that. Another thing about the victim, the circumstances and and others dictate my happiness. So let me, let me stop and say this. This is not a time, like this is not a whipping post, you know, and dang, how much of a victim are you? Let's see hands. Okay. That's not what we're doing here. What we are saying is that all of us can fall into this at times. Um, I consider myself, for the most part, the way Danny describes it, for the most part, a powerful person. Can I slip into the victim role? Yeah, I can. Someone's quicker than I even knew what happened. Uh, so this is not about labeling people, which one are you? This is about giving you some really good guidelines and saying, if these things happen to hap- happen to come up a lot in your life, there's some places that you need to give the Lord access to in your heart so that this isn't the way you live anymore. Okay. So here's another one for a victim. I'll act miserable so you will help me. Now, before you get mad at me, this is in Danny Silk's book. (laughs) And you know he said worse last week. Um, (laughs) I'm going to act miserable so that you will help me. And that's just one way that a victim person feels like they're a victim. Uh, That's only one of the ways they can try to manipulate people. See, manipulation isn't always about being the Dominating, I'm going to push you into the ground. You can manipulate in a lot of different ways. You can sit in a corner and whine until somebody, you know, helps you. There's different ways to do it. Um, I have no control of my life or my choices. Which leads you to say things like, I can't, I have to, and I'll try. I, I can't, I can't get out of this pit I'm in. And we say, well, have you tried? I already tried that, I can't um or i have to I, I like you have no control well at first i have to do this and then i have then they're making me do that and then i have to do this so that that's just the verbalization of you feeling like you have no power but that's actually not the truth so let's look at powerful people and can i just tell you this let's bring jesus into this right here okay because he died for your freedom and it's your freedom to, to love well, it's your freedom to actually manage yourself well, it's your freedom. Um, he, he makes you a powerful person, um, never to manipulate, but a powerful person to be able to live uh, a fulfilling, wholehearted life the way he designed you to. And this is some of what it looks like. A powerful person, they know who they are, and life flows out to others. It doesn't mean you can't receive from other people. Powerful people can give and receive prayer. Absolutely. And, and let me go back to the victim really quick. I, I know we're in here. Are we saying that that if you have really hard things, you can't feel things like feel anger, frustration, sadness, or that you can't reach out for help. So I'm not, that's not what we're trying to say. What we're saying is a pattern where you're continually looking for everybody else to fix you rather than you knowing who you are because the Lord tells you who you are and changing from the inside out and becoming this person who knows who you are and begins to be a life flow to others. That's what Jesus has in store for you. There's six or seven more billion people who need that out in the world, who need us to be that. All right. Hope this is making sense. Another one is powerful person knows their job is, is to control themselves, not others he says it this way. He says, on a good day, I can manage myself. On a good day. So uh, that's going to save you a lot of frustration too. When you finally realize it's not your job to control other people and actually, and actually um, live your life in a way that is true to who he says you are, you're going to be a much happier camper. And actually your life is going to be far more fruitful and you'll actually be, begin to influence people more because now you're not telling them what to do. You're just living the life in front of them that they want. True. And they start coming to you and saying, could you help me get there? And you're like, yeah, let me tell you about this guy, Jesus. And let me show you what he can do for you because he's done it for me. See how it works? powerful person uh, creates the environment in which they want to live. A safe place to know and be known intimately. Again, this is all in his book, so... Um, You can read all about this, but you, what you want, if you're feeling out of control and like, and like disaster follows you everywhere, some of that's what, what you're putting out. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not trying to make anybody, you know, again, I'm not pointing any fingers, but I am saying when you see patterns over and over and over again, you got to start looking at your own heart and saying, how am I contributing to this? What part do I have in this? You know, why do I find myself feeling like a victim or whatever it is? Okay, here's another one. A powerful person chooses to love no matter what the other person says or does. That's huge. How did Jesus Jesus keep his love on? I'll tell you how he kept his love on. Because he knew his daddy said, you're my boy. This is my beloved son. This is the one I love and Jesus keeps looking at him and going I'm the one you love. I'm your boy. I can love you no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter no matter what, I will love you. Cuz I'm your son, I'm your boy. This is you're my you're my father. I got all the love I need so I can love you. I can love you and keep my love on. That's how it works. Okay? It has to come this way to go this way. And and um which means if your tapes are really bad about what you think God's saying to you, that's the first thing you need to fix. Well, Holy Spirit needs to, but you need to uh, you need to ask him to. So um this great book I know. It's called Daddy You Love Me. <laughs> kind of poured my life into it. Actually, my life was spent, and then I wrote about it. So uh, I'm just telling you there are places. Get something that's going to help you encounter God this way, especially as Papa. Uh, I I will never diminish the role of Jesus, or Holy Spirit, and the intimacy we need with all of them. But but this is the time in which the Father is pouring out his his love in a way we've never experienced before and saying it's time for my church to know who I really am. And remember, Jesus' main goal was to show us the Father. He said, this is, this is what I'm here for, of course, to go to the cross, to win us back, all of it. But while he was here, he says, I'm going to show you my dad. And since you haven't really seen who he is, take a really good look at me and how I keep my love on and how I choose, how I how I respond to you because that's my dad. Okay? Um, oh, okay, I, I just had to do this. All right. So this is, just to wrap all this up, so a victim would, would be singing this tune. Oh, do we have...
1: It's my party and I'll cry if I want to Cry if I want to Cry if I
2: want to You would cry too if it happened to you
0: Whereas a powerful person sings... <laughs> And here it is in the scriptures, in case you think I'm making this up, but thanks be to God. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? Let's, I like it. Let's say that together. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. <sighs> so this is, I'm almost done here. This is, Danny says, A victim will continue to recreate their victimized reality as long as they refuse to repent from it and pursue being powerful. That's kind of giving us a lot of responsibility, isn't it? I would say it this way. This is my own words. I say, being a victim ends when you make choices not to be one. But I will say this how can you make choices not to be a victim unless you see, unless the Holy Spirit shows you? So there's no, again, there's no condemnation or shame on anybody. It's like, but the spirit's starting to show us things we didn't see before because he's, he's turning things around, but it does require your choice. It requires actually lots of choices every day. It really does. And the more he shows you things and the more powerful you become, you realize, oh, I get to choose to live this way all the time or almost all the time, you know, occasional, occasionally you forget and he goes, that's not who you are. Um, I want to I, I was going to read a little bit more let me let me just say this, and then i 'm going to actually have a, uh, someone come up and give a testimony. Let me just say that when he starts showing you things, you may need some help with your healing and Danny even says that in his book. He talks about Sozo because they do Sozo up at, at bethel that 's inner healing where we let Jesus come in and and basically take the lies the things that have told us the wrong information about who we are. And he comes and he flips it around. He takes that away and gives you something that's true and begins to change how you think about yourself and how you live your life. It's very real. It's very, very good. Uh, we have soza teams here. You can go online and sign up. and um, Or if you can't go online, there's Russ and Susan. Um, Susan oversees the whole thing. Russ and Susan are both part of it, overseeing it. Uh, but I will also say this, in case any of you have had sozos, you're like, see, now if you're, if you want to go to, don't go to a victim place that says, I already tried a sozo, it didn't work, I can't. Then you know you've just slipped back into, into victim mode. Do it again. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say is, is often when you go for sozo at a certain time, it's because God's bringing up something in your heart you know what, a little while later he'll bring something else up in your heart because he knows how much you can do at a time because he's really good and he's really kind. But I will also tell you a sozo is never going to replace you making really good decisions as a powerful person. I've received sozos in my life. I got great healing. And I had to make some really good choices to stay free. And, And, you know, the victim looks at Romans 7, that part that says, How come everything I want to do, I can't do? Everything I can't, don't want to do, I do? And you're like, I love, you're like, I love, Victim loves that verse. I love that verse. (laughs) See, that's what I'm feeling. But without realizing that that is actually not even what that passage is about and that Paul actually told you already that sin can't tell you what to do, that you are alive in Christ, and that you get to live a spirit-filled life, and he has already empowered you to make really good choices, you actually now have to believe that you are that powerful person that he's already made you. So if you need some help, sozos, and making choices, this is where it's really good to get with a few people and to start actually doing life with them, and, st- and st- this is for all of us, to stop hiding. we got to stop hiding, because if we want things to change, then we got to start doing something different and walking into the light and saying, okay, here we go. It's a little bit scary, but here we go, because it's good. All right, um, I, I think at this point I'm going to turn it over to Terry Lawrence again. Terry, come on up. So the reason why I asked Terry up here, yeah, you have a podium you can hold on to up here. Okay. So um, she feels things in the spirit in case you hadn't, couldn't tell. So if you're wondering why she's doing that, it's probably because angels are pushing her around a little and stuff like that. Um, but I asked her to share because um, she has gone through some tough things in life. And, and you need to know this about her life as you hear the story. She is out making a huge difference in the kingdom in San Francisco especially, with some of the hotels, the places where very low-income people who are without hope, she's going in and bringing them hope. You need to know that in order for this story to make even more of an impact on you, that she did not remain a victim.
3: So, yay God. Um, Let me start at the beginning. So, um, I was born into a really big family, number 10 of 10. It was a litter. <laughs> and it was pretty much survival of the fittest. There was some love there. I won't, we we didn't know we had, you know, that we were love, but it was very um, dysfunctional love. And, but we were doing the best we could. So, um, later on I found out that, when I was an adult and already started getting emotionally healed, that my mo- my mother had aborted five children. So there should have been 15, and she'd actually tried to abort me using herbs. But it didn't work on me. And when I heard that, it was I was in my 40s, I thought, wow, you wanted me here. That is really cool. So that kind of helped put... A difficult time of my life into a better perspective so um, childhood was wild and woolly um, my job in the family was to make everybody happy I didn't know who I was didn't know why I was here definitely a victim <laughs> and no longer a victim and I'm not telling you any of this so you feel sorry for me I would like you to rejoice with me at what Jesus has done in my life to turn it all around because it's like, wow, that is so not me any anymore. Yay, God. So um, having been raised in a family like that, I had no clue about what to look for when it came time to be married. And I was, although I was a believer, I came to the Lord when I was about 12, It was not a real tight relationship, not like now. I thought of God as God. I didn't know him as kind, wonderful, loving, grace-filled, amazing God, my daddy and my beloved and everything. Um, I didn't really experience living and moving and having my being in him. And uh, so when it came t- time to get married, the only criteria my family modeled for me um, and failed several times <laughs> was make sure they're a Christian. Uh, my mom was divorced. M- my eldest sister had been divorced and remarried. Another sister is on her sixth husband, and he, she picked the right one finally. Yeah, God. He's just darling. He's not a big hunk, you know, and not really handsome like a movie star like all of our other husbands were. This guy is like a total nerd, but he's just the sweetest guy in the world. He's a lot like Jesus, you know, as far as like Jesus wasn't a nerd, but just being <laughs> just being kind and gentle and thoughtful and a servant and just laying down his life for his wife and other people and not in a victim way but in a powerful way so um, but I picked my husband before she, mer- she met this guy so I didn't have the role model anyway so I had a really horrible marriage because uh, um, I made the wrong choice and um, my husband was very wounded and a hurting person too and he um Our whole marriage, we were married a little over 14 years. He was physically abusive. He almost killed me a couple times. Um, He was verbally abusive. He was really, really, really controlling. Um, I, I couldn't think what I wanted to think. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I mean, he wouldn't like outright say you can't do that. He would just be real manipulative. And he would, um, you know, shame me if I had friends and didn't spend time with him all the time. But when we spent time together, it was really miserable because it was just not healthy or loving. And uh, we were married. I I would pray, God, I can't take this anymore. You have to get me out of it because I didn't believe in divorce. I don't think that's God's plan. And at that time, the body of Christ wasn't really in tune with the plight of women who are, were in my situation. It's way better now. And there was a real stigma. If you had a um, an issue, it was, would have been all my fault that I was getting beat up. But it's not that way anymore, thank God. <laughs> so um, we finally got divorced. And um, he asked for a divorce. That was an answer to prayer. And I don't want to be flippant about it, but that's probably why I'm alive today. (laughs) And um, I'd been so shut down. It took many years for me to start feeling my feelings again. And it was like going through a dark tunnel for a long time. And I could see the light at the tunnel. But. Eventually, what was revealed to me was the light wasn't at the end of the tunnel. The light was with me in the tunnel. And Jesus was walking with me every, every step of the way. And when I got that realization, it just started changing everything. I realized that I was trying to keep from feeling the pain and dealing with a huge, painful past, so I had lost my joy because if you don't feel the pain and go through it you you don't feel the joy either and so, little by little, step by step, just like our father promises, he opened the path, and the light got brighter, and the light got brighter some of the way some of the ways he did that was um I was listening to a Christian counseling program. Um, first it was Menne and Meyer, and now it's new life live Christian counseling um excellent books came out of that ministry about boundaries and making the right choices and not being a victim, things like that and um i learned i I learned what boundaries were I could say no, I could say yes, I could feel what I was feeling. could think what I was thinking and if somebody told me no you're not thinking that or feeling that I would say yes I am and that was really surprising because that was something that was new to me and Jesus empowered me through that and it was step by step it just got um, I just got more and more healing then I got to a point of healing where I started visiting prayer rooms for deliverance because even though as a believer I knew that there were critters messing with me messing with my thinking and I also knew for some reason I wasn't connecting with father the way I wanted to and there was obstructions there were hindrances so I went to prayer room not specifically asking for deliverance but deliverance occurred on many occasions, and uh, sometimes it wasn't like uh, deliverance, but it was just clarity and hearing truth from, from God about me and about what was going on. I, I did workbooks, anger workbooks, Christian 12-step. One of my pastors asked me to lead a Christian 12-step, co- which basically is a codependency recovery group. Now, I had no clue even what codependency was, but Father used it in my healing, and um, most of the people that attended knew more about it than I did, but Father got me in this situation to to bring about healing. He had me take a Theophostics, which is kind of like Zotzo course, and i was I volunteered to be a guinea pig I got some deliverance in front of the group as I was taken through theophostics, I've done theophastic prayers with other people, I've done theophostics just Jesus and I, and, and received healing and deliverance, and it's just been really, really amazing. I could never have anticipated any of this. It's just Father, kind, loving arms around me, step by step, walking me through it, and it's, it's been totally, amazingly beautiful. So for the last, um, I think it was about 10 years ago, I started coming to Blazing Fire maybe just a few times a year. But we all know how Brent and Suzanne are and how positive and giving declarations and speaking the truth of who we are to us. And then Brent's book comes out. So I'd heard about, like, and I'd actually even experienced it, like, Somebody's speaking in my present, but it was cast into the future. And I'd I'd heard, okay, so you have this word now, but it's obviously not true right now in this natural. But then as you progress in your life, you run into it. The prophecy was the declaration is put out in front, and then we run into it. And at the time I first started hearing this, it sounded kind of maybe, um, well, it turned out to be a lot more fun than it sounds. So, and <laughs> just in that context, I want to tell you about something really cool that's happening right now in it for all of us in this region. And um, it is about Kind of what Brent was talking about um, and what um, Bob Jones' prophecy is talking about, which is I was um, a couple weekends ago, the Lord asked me to stay at home and spend time, a lot of time with him. So I stayed home for four days and I listened listened to the Bethel conference on the web and I listened to the global conference awakening conference on the web and spent wonderful, wonderful time with the Lord. It was beautiful. And um, so all day Saturday, I don't know how many hours, but Sunday morning I woke up and I was a little depressed and I couldn't figure out why, but I just kept doing what Father wanted me to do, which was listen to... um, the conferences, and then we spent all day Monday together, and then Tuesday, and then Wednesday I was driving to work, and he's really taught me how to really, really love traffic because we have such nice time together when I get stuck in traffic, and um, I used to not like traffic, and last week when Danny Silk was talking about your circles of of love and how uh, al-qaeda was out here well for me it's people that are trying to kill me when I'm driving to work they're they're out here with al-qaeda and so so um, it's really been cool this week how I've just been okay I gotta keep the love on gonna keep the love on and he's really helped me keep the love on like maybe just one time I I blew it, but, you know, he always brings us back to the center, which is him. So, anyway, to backtrack a little. So, uh, um, a few weeks ago when I was driving to work after I spent all those days with Father, um, I was thinking, Father, you know, I don't really feel closer to you. We have spent so much time together, but I really don't feel closer to you at this moment and he said well there's coming a time when you're going to really have to just depend on the fact that we are closer that's not about feelings and then he was urging me to just press in a little more and it was so cool it was a rainy day it was one of our first rainy days and the sky opened and it wasn't our sky it was heaven, heaven sky the colors the colors of the sky, the blue, kind of blue and green, and there was some beautiful pinks, and, and the light. It was not from earth, it was from heaven. And the coolest thing happened, this barrage of declarations. It started with declarations that Suzanne and Brent have spoken to me, and from Brent's book, and... And preaching here at this church just came pouring out. And uh, I could read them, you know, like, you're awesome. Daddy loves you. That kind of thing. I mean, it was just like this barrage, this barrage. And it was none of the negative stuff I've heard in my life, just the positive declarations. And then in spite of all of the emotional healing I've had, there was always this core of fear. And I I would say to Dad, this is not of you, and I don't want it. And it would kind of diminish, but it was still there. But after those declarations poured out in me, that fear is not there anymore. It's like gone. And I've, yay, God. And I've tested it, and it's like it's gotten replaced with just shalom and joy. And it's really, really, it's really... uh, different to feel this way um because i've carried that fear probably from the womb when i was almost murdered and um and now it's gone and that's um this is for all of you it's for this whole region it may even be 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 for like the whole nation i imagine it would be because it's god's heart but i can only speak for what i've seen here um, Last summer, there was a guy named Baxter Krueger. He, he spoke at Sausalito Christian Fellowship. And I didn't realize what an anointing he had till I heard him speak. Um, he did a commentary on the shack. So maybe some of you might have read that or associate him with that. And um, when he spoke, the, the atmosphere vertically opened up like just punched holes from earth to heaven and so that the message of God's love could permeate this region it was really i mean like amazing i went up to talk to him after to tell him what i'd seen and what the lord had told me and he says that people tell him that wherever he goes so it's like this kind of unassuming um guy from the south just is going around all over the place with this message and he's punching holes in the atmosphere. It's really exciting. And then when Paul Young was here, uh, when he was speaking, I saw it going horizontally out into the region, you know, and then now all of those um, it's, I'm not sure all that's involved, but now those declarations of who we are and Father's love, not just for us, but for the whole region, for the lost as well as those who are not lost, us, yay, um, is being poured out, and we can tap into that. And and he wants us to really believe it and walk in that truth. And so um that's what we need to do, King. Okay? You know, get healed, get open, and receive and believe who you really are because of Jesus.
0: So awesome. Stay up here if you okay. Yeah. So... On a couple different levels now, uh, she, she could have remained a victim the rest of her life because of all the things that had happened all the way from in the womb to the marriage, all of it. But her not being a victim took, took the form of stepping out and doing a whole lot of things that she explained, just little bits and pieces. But it was, it, she kept going with the Lord, right? And she kept trying things and stepping out and getting more and more and more healing. Then, if you notice, just a couple weeks ago, what I love about how honest she was, she she said she was feeling discouraged a couple of weeks ago. I mean, to know Terry, I'd be going, what? Really? You get discouraged? And, of course, she's human. But 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 she shared that. And then the next line she said was, but I kept doing what the Lord told me to do. That's a huge key to all of you. you get discouraged. What do I do, Lord? How about doing the last thing he told you to do? Just keep going. And you pressed in. And um, anyway, I, I love you, Terry. You're so awesome. Um, so no, don't go too far. Oh, you can, you can bring her down. Sure. But don't go too far. This is what I want to ask you. We're going to, it is about nine o'clock, which means parents, um, you need to get your kids, but let me explain what I think we're going to be doing here. Um, and then parents go get your kids and bring them into it. Okay. Um, Terry, don't go, don't go far. You could sit, but don't go far because (laughs) (coughs) sorry. Was that, did that sound very controlling? (laughs) because <laughs> um, this is what i was picturing and maybe you can help with the with the wear because a lot of times terry sees a lot she's a seer as well sees a lot in the spirit so maybe you know the right place on the carpet to do this but i was i was or at least i think it's on the carpet maybe it's somewhere else in the room but um what this is what i wanted you to do there tonight we were talking about not being a victim and choosing to be powerful the way Jesus defines that, right, with his power. And and um, and so I, I was, when I was, actually, we were in the car talking about this, and suddenly the Lord gave me a picture, and I saw it happening, where you were you were going through an archway. It's, it's an archway in the spirit, except that we're creating it, and I, I want to do that with Terry. And so are you, are you getting this yet? So at some point somewhere, we're going to have an archway for you to come through. And I'm even going to put some tape on it so that you know the, which line you're crossing, okay? And um, because you're going to go from one side saying, um, I'm not a victim, and you're going to come through on the other side and saying I'm powerful. Just, Just repeat this with me. I'm not a victim. I'm powerful. So you do not have to come through this I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but I'm not a controlling person. I won't make you. I believe for some of you, I'm just going to be really honest, for some of you, you would do it in obedience, you know, in faith, wouldn't feel a whole lot. And that does not mean that something dramatic didn't just happen right there. Some of you are going to feel it and know it, that that was extremely significant. And this is what I saw too, Russ and Susan and Suzanne because those are the three other elders that are here tonight. And especially with what they were declaring tonight and Suzanne declaring. But I saw them as you were coming through, drawing you out the other side. Like kind of, I don't know if you'll take turns or I'll do it or what. I don't know. Um, but, but you are the one that's going to take responsibility for your own self of, I, uh, I'm not a victim. You're going to say that out loud. However you want to on this side. Because you have to take ownership for this does that make sense you got you got to this has to be your decision i'm not a victim i'm powerful now whatever they else they do that's up to them you know they may just be pulling you through they may say something i don't know and we're agreeing and i know i i, I actually know this the authority that we carry that that something's shifting in the spirit and you you are going to know in a way you didn't before the authority that you have to make really good choices, you and Jesus together, like something's going to shift, especially in some areas of your life where you were, you've been feeling weak, helpless, like I can't get out of this, whatever it is, Jesus is going to start showing you some things you did not see before about who you really are, about how powerful he really has made you. See, this isn't about us being powerful for him. This isn't like, well, if I go through this tunnel, then I can never sin again because, because now I can't. I'm powerful. I'm telling you that as you come through, something's happening in the spirit where you're.